0: My friends, welcome to the Bible Project daily podcast and the project is to work through the entire Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. You're very welcome to join us today and if you're here for the first time, I'd just like to mention that a full transcript of everything I say is always available in the episode notes of the podcast. It doesn't matter which provider you use to get your broadcast, you should see a link to the episode notes page, which will not only give you the text approximately of what I've said, but also there'll be links there to ways in which you can access other teaching resources put my ministry and make it available to anyone who's interested. Please do remember to stick around to the end because I'll be giving you some updates, some new ways you can access the back catalogue. With more and more episodes being available over three seasons, it's getting a little bit tricky for people scrolling all the way through the back catalog to find particular passages or even particular books as we move well into our third season. Because of course, by the end of this venture, we'll have over 66 seasons of the podcast, Lord willing. So we have to create an easy way for people to navigate around it. But I'll update you on what my plans are for that at the end. But for now, let's dive straight back into the text and close off the section that we've been looking at for the last few days about how do we follow Jesus. Okay, welcome back, friends. We're closing off the passage Matthew four verses twelve to twenty-five. When I've been asking the question of how do we follow Jesus, having just witnessed his call of the initial disciples that they too should follow him. But you see, because like the apostles of Jesus's day, we are as well called to follow him, and we too need to conform our lives to Scripture, which means we too also must heed this call of christ to follow him so just before we close off i'll just finish off by reading out the final section of this chapter and this is the last few verses matthew four twenty-three to 25 which tell us this jesus went through galilee teaching in their synagogues proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralysed. And he healed them, large crowds from Galilee to Decapolis and Jerusalem. So the rest of this passage, the closing off of it, simply tells us that Jesus now goes all over Galilee, teaching in the synagogue, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases among the people. And probably because of this, his fame is seen to be spreading very rapidly. I'd just like to make a simple observation here, and that is, Jesus really cared about people, didn't he? When he launched off into his public ministry, he didn't go start a Bible college, Neither did he become a sort of early proto monk and put himself in a cloister and gather around these new disciples, gather them around him so that they weren't disturbed and they could study the niceties of theology together. What happened was Jesus called these guys to follow him and then he plunged himself into his ministry, his public ministry, which was ministering, caring for other people. What is involved in that ministry is spelled out for us in these verses. He's seen to go around Galilee and he teaches in the synagogue and he's preaching. Now, preaching and teaching, both those words are raised in these verses. And in my mind, that asks a question, is there and what if there is, what is the difference between these two things? Most Bible experts who studied this say the essential difference is that preaching is usually got to do with public declaration or evangelism and that teaching has to do with what we tell people, what we tell those who are already committed believers. Now, I think that that's usually true because preaching is often connected with the preaching of the gospel, certainly in the New Testament anyway, So I think that there is a great deal of truth to that interpretation of this phrase and the use of those two words. However, in my estimation, having looked at all the references I can find to these words, we need to add the caveat in that it isn't always like that. There's a Greek word, caruso, often used to describe the preaching of the word and it has to do with heralding the message of the king. Behind the use of this word is a sense of the speaker coming before people or coming before us with the message of the king. So embedded in the idea is the fact that the source of what is claimed comes from somebody else, someone who is above us, someone who speaks with authority and we are only the messenger. The thing I like about this is it removes the pressure from us, doesn't it? It means we're just called to deliver the gospel message. We're just called to deliver the Bible message that is contained within it. We're just required to try and draw it out. The original message comes from the king of heaven itself. That's what Christians believe. And we purely, in our study of it and in our proclamation of it, really just function as a herald. And this means to me that you can do it with a certain amount of certainty and confidence in what you're saying. Not your own confidence, but confidence on the authority and the person from whom it came. And I think that's really good to know, because I have enough troubles of my own trying to understand what's going on in the world. A famous German writer called Johann Goethe many years ago said this. Give me your certainties, I have doubts enough of my own. When Jesus came preaching the kingdom, he did it with authority and with certainty, urging people to change their mind about trusting themselves so that they could be prepared to enter the kingdom and which would come. And he did this by teaching them and showing them how they should live their lives in the light of that truth. Now there's a third thing worth mentioning in what Jesus did and what he did was, in everything he did, he was compassionate. He did what he did because he cared about people and that's the point I wish to make. Love and compassion for those who were already loved by God was Jesus' primary motivation. However, I think there's also some other things involved here. One thing that the New Testament makes very clear about the life and ministry of Jesus is that he worked miracles, including healing, to give authority, to certify, if you like, his message. In the sermon given at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, verse 22, Peter is seen and he says he comes preaching his message and it was testified by miracles that he, in fact, performed. And in Mark chapter 16 verses 20 and thereabouts, Jesus sends out his disciples and it says that they went everywhere preaching and that miracles occurred wherever they went and that those miracles were the, the certification of that message. So those texts make it clear that Jesus and others did these miracles to testify to the fact that their message was from God. Now this is going to be very important for us to understand this as we continue to work through the Gospel of Matthew together over these coming weeks. When we get to chapter 12, we will see how important this is because the people are seen to get it, but the religious leaders of that time don't get it. The critical question is, why did he do miracles? Not just the fact that his motivation for them came out of compassion, that is there, but it is also done because they would prove who he was. And I'll speak much more about that later as we progress through these opening chapters. One other thought, it's been suggested, I think with some merit, that these miracles offer insights into the coming kingdom. These miracles, when witnessed, give a future vision of the effects and power of the coming kingdom. So what miraculous things did he in fact do? Well, this passage says he casts out demons and he heals the sick. And the kingdom of God, when it comes, will, of course, finally and completely defeat sickness and destroy the ability of demonic forces to oppress anyone, anyone who's given their life over to Christ anyway. If you read the book of Revelation, it will tell us that there will be the end of all disease. It says there's no more pain, there will be no more sorrow, No more sickness, no more disease. And another insight into what happens when the king will come and eventually sit on his throne in the coming kingdom will be the fact that it will be the end of death itself. The dead will be raised. It will be the death of death. There is going to be no more death in the coming kingdom of God. These miracles are little insights into what Jesus as conquering returning king at the second coming will do upon that return. But having said all that I want to go back to the fact of what he's doing here and just ask you to note that he's doing what he's doing because like his father God he cares about individuals particularly individuals who are suffering or struggling. And what this tells me we need to take on board in this life is that we are to view people who are experiencing any form of suffering, whether it be physical, mental, emotional, or even societal, your attitude towards their problems is a commentary on you and your relationship with God. Someone once put it like this, a man fell into a pit and he couldn't get himself out of it. The religious person said only bad people fall into pits. The mathematician calculated how he fell into the pit. The news reporter wanted the exclusive story on what it was like in the pit. The civil servant wanted to know if he was still paying his taxes whilst he was in the pit. The self-pitying person said, You haven't seen anything until you've seen the pit that I'm stuck in. The fire and brimstone preacher said, You deserve your pit. And the power of the positive thinking guru said, the pit is just in your mind. You just need to believe in yourself and you'll get out of the pit. The psychologist said, your mother and father are to blame for you being in the pit. The optimist said, things could be worse. The pessimist said, things will get worse. But Jesus seeing anyone in a pit, his response is to reach out his hand and lift them out. Jesus went around healing people physically and spiritually and those of us who claim to follow him, who hold that title as Christians, must never look down their nose at anyone stuck in a pit of any making, whether it be their own or of the circumstances in which they find themselves. We don't condemn or judge anyone. We personally don't do it because we, above anyone else should know that there but for the grace of God go I. We don't condemn people or judge people. We help people. We help pull them out of their pit or we give them the means through the word and the encouragement of God by which they can extricate themselves from the pit they find themselves in or they have put themselves in. All right, we've gone through this passage. Let me try and finish off by summarizing what I believe this message is trying to tell us. Well, in one sense, it's telling us that Jesus fulfilled scripture. And beyond that, I'm suggesting he more than fulfilled it. He conformed his life to scripture. He went out of his way to fulfill it by the decisions he made and the places that he went. And that's what conforming your life to the Bible means and should mean for us. He called his disciples to follow him. He called us to follow him. And we too have to make an active decision. And that would mean that we too need to go around and in some sense, if we're able, to preach and to teach. We need to go around caring and trying to heal other peoples, care for them the way he did. But we need to note that right embedded deep in the beginning of Matthew's Gospel in his account is this call to follow him. The way we do that today, well the starting point anyway that we can make right now is to follow him throughout the rest of this gospel account. See what he did and make that play it for our lives also. I submit to you that a lot of what God requires you to do will be right here in the context of this account of the life of Jesus Christ. So if you want to be a learner, if you want to be a disciple, if you want to be a follower of Jesus Christ, it's all here for you. Now don't misunderstanding. this journey has nothing to do with you gaining a place in heaven. That is a gift. If you've simply trusted in Jesus Christ, trusted in him as the one who died and paid for your sins and who rose from the dead, then you can trust in him to make you right with God and give you the gift of eternal life. That is secure. But if you want to go from being a believer to actually following him, then that will require much, much more. And this is telling us what we need to do. To follow him, we must conform our lives to scripture. To follow him, we must put him first above all things, even before family and business. To follow him, we must care for people spiritually and physically. And to follow him, we must tell others to follow him, even as we're following him. We must become fishers of men. We must fish for people because if we're not fishing, we're not really following. So let me ask you that question. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? And if you are, are you fishing? Are you a fisher? of other men and women. Now just as a very quick suggestion, one way in which we can fish is to very simply share links to these messages across the internet in the places online that you inhabit, maybe your social media accounts etc. You can do something really simple and you can just distribute the life changing power of the Bible among the people that you interact with online. Allow the life-changing power of the good news of the Bible to become part of the rhythm of their daily lives also. If you want to be a follower of Christ, you've got to do some fishing. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus says, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. That was Jesus' passion, to reach people, to save them from their sins and thereafter to teach people so they can know how to spend the rest of their life walking in the will of God. We cannot own the title of Christian if we're not about the business of Jesus. You've got to follow him, which means doing what he did. And you can't follow him without going where he went and doing what he did. But of all the things he did, and they're all important, the one that we're focusing on, and we're focusing on because it's what launches off this gospel account, is the call to follow him means being fishers of men. And I'm doing that because that's what the passage tells us to do. Follow me, he said, and then I will make you fishers of men. That's the most important thing that you can do. It's more important that your job, I'm not suggesting that you quit your job in any way because your job will usually be the thing that gives you the resources to do the will of God effectively. And anyway, it's a more important thing than a job. It's more important in your business. It's even more important in your family. And again, I'm not suggesting that you should not treat your family better than very well, that you should put them first and above you. I'm simply saying the most important thing that you can do in your life is to follow Jesus and is to try and win other people to Jesus Christ as well. That is what we fish for. That is what we're called to fish for. If you believe that, and if you're a follower of Christ, then you really have no choice. That's what's involved in being a Christian. If you're not fishing, you're not following. You know, many years ago, in the 18th century in the United Kingdom, a British doctor named Edward Jenner discovered the concept of vaccine and he in fact developed the first vaccine for smallpox. One day a minister friend of his introduced him to a mutual friend and the friend said to him, you must have saved more lives than anybody else on earth has ever done. And here's what this 18th century doctor said, and I quote, this is what Jenner said, You say to me, I have saved more lives than any other man, and that may be true. However, I would rather have it said of me, as might be said of my minister friend here, that I have saved more souls than anybody else. Have you ever thought how proud you would be, how well satisfied you would feel if you dragged someone out of the ocean and saved their lives, or you gave someone CPR who collapsed in the town square in front of you and you saved their life? That would be amazing. You saved a life. How amazing it would be if we could save not one life, but a handful of people, save a group of people from dying physically. Well, that's amazing. But what's more important is that one day we can stand before the Lord and say that we saved people spiritually. And hear God say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Okay, friends, that closes off that passage of the second half of Matthew chapter 4. And I'd just like to finish off, like I said at the beginning, by updating you on a few things. First of all, a very heartfelt thank you to each and every one of you who have made the decision to subscribe to this podcast. There are many thousands of us now made the commitment to work through the Bible, not just read the Bible, but the study of the Bible, make it part of the rhythm of our daily lives. And like I said in the main message, if you're benefiting from this, why not find a way in which you can enable others to benefit from it also by sharing it on social media. And if you wanna make sure you get every episode, make sure you go in to wherever you receive your podcasts from and subscribe to this podcast. Now, the other thing I want to say is we're getting on to over 400 episodes now. So it's getting a little bit more complicated if you want to scroll back and you want to find something. So I'm beginning a process of creating long version formats from the audios of this podcast. And I'm going to put them on my YouTube channel under season playlists. Now they're not going to be videos. I've stopped doing the physical videos of these recordings. But what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be putting the scriptures on a template. So you have the word of God in front of you and then using the full message as a soundtrack to the video image of the scriptures as they roll through. Because as this project progresses, we're going to have nearly 70 seasons, Lord willing, if the Lord grants me the time to complete this over the next five or ten years or so. So it'll get more complicated, more difficult. You're not going to want to have to scroll back through thousands of episodes just because you wanted, or hundreds of episodes because you wanted to find that teaching on Genesis chapter 18. So this will become more and more part of the way in which you can... uh, later on find the resources that you need also within that youtube channel there are playlists of other courses other topics and those playlists i would imagine will get expanded over time i'll be pulling the teaching together in a longer format into maybe whole chapter sections or whole very clearly defined passages that cover particular issues so i do hope that you'll find that helpful and the link through to my youtube channel will always be in the episode notes along with other ways that you can connect to this ministry so the daily podcast will continue it will be the main thing and if you're new to us then you can still go right back to the beginning it's probably possible to still play catch up at this point maybe listen to two episodes a day for a year and then you'll be right back with us When we get further and further into this process, that will be harder for people. So you'll be able to access the individual books of the Bible, chapter by chapter or passage by passage, on the YouTube channel. And the Bible Project daily podcast will continue day by day, Monday to Friday, every day of the week, Lord willing, as we work chapter by chapter, verse by verse, through the entire Bible. So again, thank you so much for joining me. I do trust the Lord is speaking to you through this and that you are being discipled, being equipped for works of service. And I'll see you back here tomorrow. Well, it's tomorrow for me. Whatever day it happens to be for you, you open up your podcasts and listen again to the Bible Project Daily Podcast. Bye-bye for now.